Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Today I have with me my very special guest, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence is a pediatrician, a neonatologist. She is an author and expert in breastfeeding and lactation. Dr. Lawrence is the author of Breastfeeding, a guide for the medical profession currently in its seventh edition, which she has Uh, written along with her son, Dr. Robert M. Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence is a pediatrician at the University of Rochester Medical Center, and I am very, very delighted, very honored to have with me today Dr. Ruth A. Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence, welcome. Thank you. Dr. Lawrence, it seems to me that as we talk about breastfeeding and we go into World Breastfeeding Week, I'd like to just think for a little bit about what has gone before us, because I know so often I feel like we're a little stuck, and then I realize that it has really taken society a while to see some of these things that are so pro-breastfeeding, and sometimes we don't always have the exact uh, perspective, perhaps, that we should. I'm thinking, for instance, that many times we see people who assume that we have new hospital practices, and one that stands out in my mind is rooming in. I'm guessing that given your work with Dr. Edith Jackson, you might not think rooming in is so new at all. What can you tell us about your work with Dr. Jackson and uh, the Yale Rooming In Project? Well, I'd be delighted. Then Dr. Jackson was at Yale uh, when I did my residency in pediatrics in New Haven. And Dr. Jackson brought rooming into the United States in actually 1945. And so when I was there in the 50s, it was well ingrained and everybody stood online to deliver in the rooming in unit. And uh, it was a wonderful place. I had my first child, actually, Dr. Uh, Robert Lawrence, in the, in the rooming in unit. Oh, wow. So this does not seem like a new concept to you, certainly. Uh, not at all. And she not only uh, designed the rooming in unit, but uh, she designed the rest of the birthing experience. She studied with the, uh, Grantley Dick Reed in, in London, oh. childbirth without fear. She worked with the head of obstetrics, and every mother who was going to deliver at Yale got educated about the delivery process. And, of course, that's the secret. It's fear that causes all the trouble and makes the pain worse. So it, uh, she combined rooming in, childbirth without fear, and breastfeeding. And the whole package was what you got if you had a baby at Yale back in the 50s. That's a wonderful story. I'm thinking, too, Dr. Lawrence, with my labor and delivery nurse hat on for a moment, I'm thinking that that fear is really a huge component of the breastfeeding, uh, well, the birthing experience. And I honestly didn't realize that she had worked with Dr. Grantley uh, Dick Reed, and that right. is 
terrific news. Well, and and it's very important. It's not knowing what's happening, not yeah. knowing what those feelings are that is frightening. And when you're frightened, you tighten up all your muscles and so yes. forth. And, uh, and I can speak from experience because, as I mentioned, I did have my first baby at Yale and got the full treatment. So tell us this. Uh, I know another person who really shed a lot of light on breastfeeding, and I've read several of her works, uh, Dr. Niles Newton. But I know her husband, Dr. Michael Newton, was also uh, very involved in promoting breastfeeding. What can you tell us about Dr. Niles Newton and Dr. Michael Newton? Well, um, they were good friends, and I was happy to meet them. Uh, Dr. Michael Newton was an obstetrician. He delivered babies and supported mothers in uh, sort of natural childbirth and, and, of course, breastfeeding. Dr. Niles Newton had a Ph.D. in psychology, I think it was, but she was interested in the process. And so she did these fascinating tests. Um, Actually, they were on herself with her own children who were newborns and so forth. Uh, The wonderful, wonderful test showing how pain interferes with letdown and how oxytocin uh, replaces the natural oxytocin and allows a mother to uh, let down. Those experiments are classic. They were published in the New England Journal, and uh, they demonstrated to us uh, that the human has a process, that the human has special hormones, and that the human responds to these hormones by uh, releasing the milk. And, and so we learned a tremendous amount about the physiology of lactation from the work of Niles Newton. Dr. Lawrence, one of the things that I find is that quite often people will say, oh, if the research is more than five years old, we can't be bothered reading it. Now, I think that uh, (laughs) those classic or landmark studies, I won't say I've read them all, but boy, I really try hard to read them. Are you aware of any research that has ever refuted what Dr. Niles Newton learned about oxytocin? Uh, I know of none, and of, of course there is the uh, investigator in Sweden who has studied oxytocin as oh, the love uh-huh. hormone and so forth, and she's done yes. a lot of work, but she has yes. not refuted a single thing that Dr. Newton said back in the uh, 1950s. I'm thinking you're probably referring to Dr. Uh, Shirsten Yuvnes Moberg, who right. has done a I wasn't sure I could handle her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to spit her. Well, when you get to be a radio show host, you get so you can spit out the long names. <laughs> or if you, have a, yes, if you have a long name like mine, then you get to spit out the long names anyway. And right. tell, us, tell us, too, about Dr. Derek Jelliff or yes. any others that come to your mind as really the giants that we owe a debt of gratitude for, for where we're at with breastfeeding today. Well, uh, uh, Dr. Jelliff was uh, an international figure, and he uh, went in many underserved parts of the world and undeveloped countries and uh, encouraging uh, the women there to breastfeed, but also learning about natural breastfeeding. And he studied many cultures and saw 
uh, you know, the, how how long babies were breastfed and and what happened to the babies, what happened to the breast. And so he contribu- contributed um, a, a good deal to the research. He wrote several books and worked with his wife, who was his close oh. partner in research mm-hmm. and in those writings. And uh, my favorite quote from Dr. Jelloff is that breastfeeding is a confidence game. Yes. And the role of the healthcare professional is to instill confidence in the mother. Dr. Lawrence, I'm sure that I have read that quote many times. I'm sure that you personally taught me that concept many times, (laughs) but I have totally underestimated it until just the last year or so in my life. That is, I hope that I've always helped women to to gain confidence in breastfeeding or in anything else they're they're trying to do, but I don't think I've really understood that without it, all of the teaching I do really doesn't matter. Confidence is is huge. It's huge. Right. On the on the other side of the break. I want you to tell us more about the going forward and some of how you have been involved with getting the U.S. on board with breastfeeding. Certainly, we just left the international scene here with Dr. Jelliff, but I know that on the national scene, one of your favorites is, and one of my favorites certainly, is Dr. C. Everett Koop. Tell us a little bit about Dr. Koop himself, and when we come back from the break, I'll ask you to tell us more specifically about how he has really helped to move breastfeeding forward. But tell us a little bit about Dr. Koop the man. Well, he he was uh, our Surgeon General in yeah. the 80s, and which meant he was a general in the public health service. So he wore this gorgeous white uniform and carried a sword at his side and made an incredible appearance. But the important thing was he he was the Surgeon General who picked up on the health goals of our nation that were first set in the Carter administration back in the 70s to be accomplished by 1990. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, in 1984, he uh, called me to uh, to uh, Washington uh-huh. uh, to talk to him about this because he noticed that on the list of health goals for our nation to achieve were stop smoking, lower your blood pressure, and breastfeed. And he wanted to do something about breastfeeding. And so that's how the story began. And he assigned me to have a meeting on breastfeeding, and we called it the Surgeon General's Workshop on Breastfeeding, and it was convened in 1984 in Rochester, New York. He wanted to come to Rochester. He didn't want to do it in Washington. And, of course, we pulled out all the stops, including our musicians from the Eastman School, Eastman School. And all the scientists <laughs> Uh, from their laboratories, and it was an invitation-only party. You got an invitation. You couldn't send one of your employees. You either Uh came yourself or you declined the invitation. So we had the best people possible in the United States at that meeting, and uh, there were a 100 of them. 
and we met here in Rochester, and, and uh, Dr. Coop was here the whole time. He didn't miss one minute of it. And uh, so uh, it, it was also published. He said another very important thing about government meetings and government reports and government publications. He said, you know, you have a meeting, and three years later the report comes out, and everybody's yeah. forgotten. And he said, uh, we are going to, he brought two editors with him who were writing as we speak. And uh, he discovered my birthday was August 15th. So he said, all right, we will have the publication out for your birthday. This was in June. And lo and behold, on my desk, on my birthday in 1984, (laughs) was a signed copy of a Surgeon General's workshop report. What a wonderful story, Dr. Lawrence, Uh, truly. Uh, Before we go to break, I would just like to thank our sponsors, New Angel, that is certified woman-owned manufacturer making a difference in supporting breastfeeding. Visit newangel.com and also newrubaby.com, closest to mom, best for baby, and that is N-U- R-O-O-B-A-B-Y dot com. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I will be right back with our guest, Dr. Ruth Lawrence, after this short break. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. The new Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, 
a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Today, I have with me Dr. Ruth Lawrence, internationally known author and expert on breastfeeding. And she is here to enlighten us a little bit as we think about some of our real true gains as we go into World Breastfeeding Week. Dr. Lawrence, before the break, we were talking about Dr. C. Everett Koop, who at the time was the Surgeon General when the first Surgeon General's workshop was held. I know that there were, you were talking specifically about that report that came out. And by the way, I still have my copy of that report. So I always feel as though I'm a little closer to that just by holding it in my hands. There were a number of outcomes that they looked for that they talked about. And when I say they, I really mean you, Dr. Coop, and the other 98 people who were there. Tell us a little bit about what was supposed to come out of the Surgeon General's workshop and how you see that in action today. Well, uh, of course, the statement that we quoted from him was that we must remove the barriers that keep women from breastfeeding. 
And uh, then there were five categories in in terms of uh, helping at home, helping in the workplace, improving hospital experience, and education and things like that. And a few directives after each category. Well, uh, of course, with the political wins, when the president stepped aside, Dr. Cooper stepped aside, too. Um, And there were efforts in maternal and child health in Washington to keep things going. Uh, We got uh, uh, schools together. We tried to get exam questions and certifying exams for doctors and nurses and all sorts of things like that. But exactly 25 years later... In uh, June of uh, 2009, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine uh, put together the first breastfeeding summit, and it was sponsored by the Kellogg Foundation. Uh, We had approached the Kellogg Foundation, and the exciting thing about that is that they got so impressed with breastfeeding that they have funded hundreds (laughs) of... programs all across the country. God bless the uh, Kellogg Foundation. Foundation. Please eat your (laughs) cornflakes. But um, the summit, when we put together the issues, they were exactly the same as the issues we had 25 years ago. We asked C. Everett Koop, who was retired in Vermont, if he would come And he said he'd love to come, but he broke his ankle. Could he just videotape a message? And then, as he always did, he'd say, well, now, what am I going to (laughs) say? And uh, so I sent him his words, and I sent him the very words he said 25 years before. And he said to me, where'd these come from? And I told him, (laughs) and he laughed. And so 25 years later, he said the exact same thing. The same charge to the summit, the same charge to people and funders and everything. These are still the issues. So we've had seven summits now. We just completed the seventh summit. And the people who come to those meetings are not lactation specialists. They don't come to tell you how to breastfeed a baby or how to latch on. We have the insurance companies, the federal government, the agencies responsible for health care, and all of these people, employers, and how they can help mothers who need to go back to work and pump their milk. So we had all these people who were involved in removing the barriers. And now for seven years, we have been moving ahead on this. And I, I think we've... Um, Behind the curtains made made some progress. A lot of people have been involved. But that's the trick. You don't yeah. try and do it yourself. That never works. You get as many people, experts, to do their expert thing. And I, I think it's working. It's catching on. Uh, it's amusing to me. I often see how many summits have been held since then by California or Texas or somewhere in the country, the number of summits that have been held by professional organizations. Uh, so, and that's what works. When many people get involved and become committed and have a piece of the action, 
I'm, I'm really interested that you say that because I have said that in sort of the opposite direction. When people say to me, my hospital, my community, my clinic, my whatever is not making much progress, the question that I will frequently pose to them is, do you have a Lone Ranger situation? Because the Lone Rangers really don't get the job done. They really just don't. And they don't. But when you've got everybody involved, Dr. Lawrence, you talk about the barriers and you've talked about some progress. In your opinion, what is the biggest barrier that we have overcome? Well, I think probably the the, kind of elephant in the room Ah, has uh been the formula companies. Yeah. Now, if you think about WIC for a minute, if you look back at the legislation, when WIC was started years ago, Congress gave money, and they gave it to the Department of Agriculture, which is sort of an oxymoron in itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they, the mandate was to take this money and help mothers breastfeed. Well, you know what evolved. It ended up the WIC helped mothers get formula. And so the budget got bigger and bigger to buy formula, and the formula companies controlled hospital management, and it took over. It took over everybody's life, Uh, and so that that is the biggest battle we've had. Although it may not be making headlines, it's in the back room. We have to empower the people who are breastfeeding, to stand up to this pressure and to educate women. I've always said, until children grow up knowing that breastfeeding is the norm, we're not going to change things. Now, we've had 25 years to do it. I hope the children have grown up knowing. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because... At one point in my life, I worked in a rural community where there were a lot of farm women who had their babies. And, of course, they breastfed, and they never had any difficulties breastfeeding. And one of the things that I noticed was that they were all very used to seeing animals deliver, and they just took it as the norm. Now, I know there's got to be somebody out there listening who says, well, but we're not animals. But the fact is we are mammals, and this is a norm it is normal for infants and for mammals, and formula is absolutely not normal. Now, let me ask you this, too, because this is one question that I get asked as I go around the country over and over and over. People say, well, the my boss, the whoever is running the hospital, says, why should we pay for formula when the formula companies will give the formula for free? Can you give us any insight into that? My response is usually because we don't take other things for free. But what's your take on this, Dr. Lawrence? Well, it's an interesting problem because that's a a main feature of the baby-friendly effort. Yes, Although baby-friendly is based on 10 steps, and 10 steps doesn't say a word about paying for formula. But... um, we had, and you may remember from your Rochester days, that we had all the hospitals here in Rochester had mother's milk as a house formula. Oh, yes. yes. And you just ordered whatever brand you wanted, and no hospital had had a hold on uh, all of the 
formula used in a given hospital. That worked beautifully, but we now have one baby-friendly hospital in town, and they have a contract with a formula company. And when you are out there taking care of sick babies out there and you need a formula that's made by another company, you cannot get it because the contract that this hospital has with this formula company forbids any other company. So it's a double-edged sword. I think the thing that's going to uh, change is not who pays for what, but uh, what do you have? Uh, there's no advertising. There are no pictures of babies being formula-fed. We change the language, and as as with the title of this program, Babies Are Born to Breastfeed, which was the most important report after that we had done several years ago to advertise breastfeeding. I think you remember. Yes. Uh, I was on the USBC at the time. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. that was that was the tagline. Yes, but it's true. Babies are born to breastfeed. The four thousand mammalian species, they all make their own milk, precisely for the growing pattern of their species. Humans are the only ones who drink some other species' milk. <laughs> yes, kind of yes. kooky. It, uh, I. I you're right, Dr. Lawrence. I was on the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee at the time, as were you and mm-hmm. many others, of course, when that tagline came out. And, of course, when I started the radio show, I was very interested in the fact that that tagline has kind of gotten lost somewhere because we don't really see it anymore. The yeah. public service announcements have stopped and the posters have stopped and so forth. And so I called... Uh, I can't remember who now, but at the government level saying, I would like to use this title for the title of my show. And they basically said, go to it, girl. So it Exactly, was <laughs> because it's um, a public property. It was paid for by federal grant. And uh, the National Ad Council did the whole project. Of course, uh, the rest of it didn't fare so well, as you know, yes. uh, yeah. the things about obesity and and allergy and all were terribly clever but they they just didn't didn't do it uh like smoking the bear and other yeah, programs that step. they've done but what uh, stuck uh, was babies are born to breastfeed and and that was made public you could do anything you wanted you yeah, could yeah. uh change the grammar in it and stuff and it was fine so i i think it's wonderful <laughs> Well, my hope was that that slogan would be kept alive. Hey, everyone, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Dr. Ruth Lawrence. We'll be right back after this short break. The new Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new RuPocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at newroobaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O baby.com. 
New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my very special guest, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. 
Dr. Lawrence, one of the things that I have heard for as many years as I've been in practice, and you've probably heard for as many years as you've been in practice, is that the whole going back to work thing seems to be one of those barriers that we need to break through. I think that there are a number of strategies that can be used for that. It's certainly not, I try at least to tell mothers that it's not an all or nothing proposition. And combining breastfeeding and paid employment is certainly a doable job. Uh, Tell us what your take is on uh, going back to work and breastfeeding. Well, I think that's an important message to get out to mothers because uh, believe me, when you have your first baby, your life changes. And it never changes back. And you can find, feel very overwhelmed uh, by it. And then even though you had all these nice plans, uh, suddenly you think you can't manage it. Well, fortunately, there's been a lot of work done uh, through the Office of Women's Health, through Kathy Crothers, who is the past president of the United States Breastfeeding Committee, and all these wonderful people uh, educating employers. Of course, there are also new laws written saying that an employer must uh, provide space to pump the milk and must do this and must do that, must be aware and can't fire you for breastfeeding your baby. Right, these, right. Are not, these are not minor issues. We, we've come a long way uh, around the uh, problem of mothers needing to go back to work. So if a mother feels that's her obstacle that she cannot overcome, uh, we need to help her. And uh, there there are ways to uh, be supportive and helpful and just being aware of the obligation of an employer to be supportive is a, a first step. I would totally, totally agree there. I'm thinking as I'm talking with you, that there have been a number of key events in my career that have triggered my interest in becoming a breastfeeding advocate. And by the way, that was even before I met you. But <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and and certainly the opportunity to work at the hospital where you worked was a huge draw for me. But anyway, um, were there some trigger moments in your career that that really led you to champion breastfeeding? Uh, well, that's that's an interesting question because if somebody had asked me in medical school. <laughs> or about what I was going to do the rest of my life. If they'd yeah. said, we work, work with newborns and breastfeeding, I'd say, well, I don't think so. That's uh, what I would have said. That's what I would have said. <laughs> but um, it was not on my oppor- agenda. Yes, and having the opportunity to work with Edie Jackson at Yale, and, and incidentally, at Yale, you could not spend your second year of residency at New Haven unless you spent it in the newborn. Nowhere else in the country were residents going in the newborn nursery or going in the preemie nursery. Oh, it was my. sort of if they survived, fine. You keep them warm, you try to feed them, that's it. Amen. So uh, I got into neonatology at the grassroots at, with Edie Jackson being able to see all those newborns. We made house calls. We had a oh uh, hospital car. We made house calls. Oh, my. Oh. Make sure the breastfeeding was going well at home and that kind of thing. So, um, 
my big thing in life was that I was going to be a hotshot labor and delivery nurse. Oh, okay. And, well, you, uh, you did do that. <laughs> but here's the thing. I saw that even in the labor and delivery area, that I saw these babies who were rooting around, and I thought, I don't know anything about this breastfeeding stuff, but i got to learn because it seems to me that you ought to be able to just hook up the mother and the baby. And it seemed to me like it ought to work. And somewhere along the line, I got a hold of your book, which, by the way, at that time was in its second edition, and I began to learn. And honestly, it was... There were just so many things at the hospital that I realized this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem normal. This doesn't seem to make sense to me. And no, I never intended to be a breastfeeding champion. That was not what I <laughs> thought I was going to grow up to do. That's but right. And now, you know, I look at it and I realize there's so much work to do. One of the things that you said to me before we started the show was, we're on a roll with breastfeeding. Tell us, what do you see as making us or propelling us to be on that role? And how do we continue the role? Well, I think uh, women growing up knowing that breastfeeding is the best thing and having this knowledge and this commitment has made a huge difference. And then as women uh, sort of go through their own uh, development and maybe feed their own babies, they feel committed to help other women. And of course, that's the League. The Lesh League has done a wonderful job. They're, they're over 50 years old, and it's a mother-to-mother program. And one of the strongest programs we all have access to across the country is peer support. Yes. And that's what the League is. It happened that those seven women were all college graduates, so they were supporting other college graduates. But we use the peer support program now uh, and literally mean peers, so that if you have a mother from uh, uh, another part of town uh, who's experienced, she'd make a wonderful peer support person for somebody who's her neighbor or lives down the street or has the same socioeconomic background or same educational background. So peer support has been a very great uh, weapon, if you will. Uh, And these uh, peer peer support counselors need to be paid a a decent wage, if I can throw that in. Absolutely. Absolutely. There needs to be some... uh recognition for the fact that they're making the world a better place to breastfeed and ultimately, of course, a better world. And giving their time. Yes. Yes. Uh, Tell me this. You certainly mentioned that you go back as far as the 50s with Dr. Edith Jackson. So we've all been able to figure out that you've been in practice for a while, Dr. Lawrence. So... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's bound to come up. I'm always very careful not to give dates. (laughs) What would you identify as the one most important event or perhaps the most important organization or policy or whatever that has helped to improve breastfeeding rates in the United States? Oh, my. There have been a number of forces, of course. And uh, I I think one of the biggest obstacles was uninformed, uneducated physicians who said, oh, honey, don't bother. Oh, yeah. Or when there was a problem, they had no answers. The answer was, why don't you give a bottle? So yeah. I think uh, 
One of the things that we haven't talked about, but it's worth mentioning, is the development of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, yes. which is a, a physician-only organization that was started in 1995 on the campus of Stanford University. They hosted us, gave us a little space, and we met for the first time, and we we put our money on the barrel head and, <laughs> and, uh, and started the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Uh, it, and hopefully it has changed physician attitude. Mm. Obstetricians, pediatricians, family physicians, uh, public health uh, experts, people in many roles in the healthcare system have learned about breastfeeding. And, uh, you know, the Academy does their protocols, which are now on number 20, 25 protocols of what to do in a tough situation, like hyperglycemia yes. or sepsis or whatever. But I think in terms of changing the outcome, uh, changing the attitude of physicians and educating them and equipping them to be supportive has been a very major step. I would agree. Uh, Dr. Lawrence, I know that you've mentioned this even in this program, but I'm not clear. Is breastfeeding on the medical exam now when uh, a person is, is trying to uh, take their boards Oh yes, in all in all fields. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know about brain surgery, but uh, <laughs> uh, I've monitored that for years. That when our house staff go and and take the exam, I ask them how many breastfeeding questions there were. And uh, now, of course, all the exams are taken on computer, and you uh-huh. go to a computer sent center somewhere, and your board, like the Board of Pediatrics, has 10,000 questions, and you randomly get your 150 questions. Oh, right, right, right. So it's in the hands of the computer, uh, but there are enough breastfeeding questions in in the stockroom so that um, everybody gets three or four at least, and many people have gotten 10. So we know it's happening, and... The important thing is, when you're studying and there's so much to learn, if you know it's going to be on the exam, you pay attention. Pay attention. So, Dr. Lawrence, help me with this. It's not just the pediatricians and the neonatologists. It might be the radiologists as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I Uh, see. I see. Okay. Uh, That is certainly a very positive direction because, as you say, if you know it's going to be on the test, you're going to be paying attention, you're going to value that. Uh, This has been very informative. When we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the future and also to uh, help the rest of us understand when we're going to hear more about your new book. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with my guest, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. We'll be right back after this short break. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. 
patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with my very special guest today, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence, we've talked a lot about the barriers during this show, and I guess I would pose to you, unless all of the barriers to breastfeeding are resolved before we go to bed tonight, when we wake up in the morning, many mornings, we'll find ourselves facing barriers that keep women from initiating or continuing to breastfeed. 
are the future barriers any different or will we just need to continue to work on the barriers that are here? Can, or can you some, suggest more strategies? Well, I think many of the barriers will be similar, but I think quickly of the problem of infectious disease. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a great step back when uh, uh, HIV, HIV was diagnosed and uh, particularly discovered in Africa where it was rampant. And as we learned more, and studies were allowed to be done in Africa, not in the United States, uh, we discovered that the best thing for the baby was to be exclusively breastfed. Nothing else, no herbs, no ground bark, stuff like that. (laughs) Exclusively breastfed for six months, it would save that baby's life. Now, um, there are other diseases that occur, epidemics occur, and there's concern about whether you should uh, feed or not feed. This is why uh, I had my son, Dr. Robert Lawrence, uh, join the more recent editions of the book because he's an infectious disease uh, expert. He's done a lot of the early research on HIV. He knows infectious disease like the back of his hand. So he uh, has solutions for this. You you can breastfeed even though you have disease X and that sort of thing. But that's that barrier is always going to loom up in some form mm, or other. Or another, yes. Dr. Lawrence, one of the things that you taught me many, many times and I still hearken back to is in most cases, in most cases, the benefits of breastfeeding Regardless of the circumstances, in most cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Do you still stand by that statement? Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. have the same old slide you saw of the seesaw. (laughs) (laughs) Because the the benefits do outweigh the risk in almost all cases. Yes. Uh, Tell us this, too. I know that many of our audience are probably curious. You work full-time. You continue to work full-time. You travel around the globe. You write books and articles, and you do much more. And I make cookies. Uh, Pardon me? I make cookies. Oh, I remember the cookies, the time you came and you said that you'd make cookies for your grandson. And I thought, how does a woman of her stature make cookies for her grandkids? And then I thought, because she just does. Uh, But what advice do you have for women who want to combine a career with family life and or breastfeeding? Well, um, first of all, it it can be done. You've got to marry the the best person on earth who's (laughs) in tune with you and uh that's important don't don't just surprise him (laughs) one day and say well i'm going back to work um but i i had a wonderful husband who was very supportive he had a very important committed career and uh I supported that, and he got his breakfast at 6 in the morning and all of those sort of things. Uh, But uh, you just have to have a beautiful partnership to begin with. So that's point number one. Um, A favorite author of mine in those days when my children were little was Irma Bombeck. Oh, yes. (laughs) And my favorite quote of hers was, don't sweat the small stuff. 
In other words, don't get bent all out of shape when, you know, the bananas turn black and they're not (laughs) edible or or you just made a wonderful cake and you dropped it on the floor. I mean, don't sweat the small stuff. And and the other expression I had, which was very important in those days when women were being challenged all the time, and there's still careers in which women are being challenged, and they're being watched to be sure they're efficient and productive and everything like that. And my other expression was, don't let them see you sweat. (laughs) Um, You... You don't give excuses all the time. If you, you know, men are going to go play golf, so they take off at two o'clock and go play golf. A woman has to drive her kid to piano lessons. What does she do? She says, "Oh, I gotta go. I gotta drive to piano." Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I'm tied up at two o'clock. I'll see you at three. <laughs> I like that. I like well, that. Well, these these are things that you kind of learn to do. And we can learn a lot from the men of the uh, family and how they handle things because they've learned how to handle things. And sometimes we we have to take a page from their book. Uh, But uh, I had the good fortune of having being the medical director of the second oldest poison center in the country. I was on call 24-7. But I was on call to the phone. Mm-hmm. So I answered the phone at 3 in the morning. I answered the phone at weddings and funerals and piano recitals and everything <laughs> else. And before we had cell phones, remember. Oh, right. So I'd step into a phone booth and drop a quarter. And if I didn't have a quarter, I'd juggle the phone thing and the operator would come on and I'd say, hey, this is Dr. Lawrence. Oh, yes, Dr. Lawrence, what do you want? <laughs> and they'd connect and me to whoever was calling. Somehow, um, you, somehow you made it all work. Dr. Lawrence, before we go today, I know because you told me that the eighth edition of your book is forthcoming. I'm right. very much looking forward to that because, honestly, I have your book off my shelf all the time. Tell us when should we expect the new book and how can we get it? Well, it's, it's published now by Elsevier. It was originally published by Mosby, but, you know, each these companies bought each other up. But it's published by Elsevier. It'll be out October 1st. They plan to present it at the American Academy of Pediatrics meetings and at ACOG and at all the big meetings in October. Um, but you can uh, get it online by just contacting uh, com and uh, and order it ahead of time um and um so there's so much new stuff i mean people say why'd you write another oh, edition did you, didn't you just do that <laughs> did you just do that yeah <laughs> uh, well and um there's so much information there's so many good studies that are supporting what we thought and telling us more things we should know 
Now we have the evidence to really back that up. You know, Dr. Lawrence, that I am in Rochester very frequently, and I expect to have that book under my arm, and I will trot right on up to your office for a signed copy because I need that book probably as much, if not more, than anybody else I can think of. I always am grateful for all of the information that you've had. Today, the the time went way, way too fast. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. It has been a true pleasure and a true uh, privilege to have Dr. Lawrence here today with us. I would like to thank her, and I would like to ask all of you to join us on breastfeeding uh, on uh, Born to be Breastfed next week. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host. Don't go away. Come back next week. We'll have more for you. Thank you, Dr. Lawrence. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 